God wants us to speak the language of heaven and have it so much in our hearts that it really flows out of us. That language, again, is blessing, thankfulness, rejoicing, praise, honor, and joy. That's the language of heaven. Good morning, good morning, Kingdom Corner podcast followers and devotees and Ephesians coaching class. I'm excited to be back with you once again today in this series that we started a couple weeks ago, Cultivating an Attitude of Gratitude. Cultivating an Attitude of Gratitude. This is lesson or part number three. I'm going to go here for those of you that uh, are in the Ephesians class that will see the recording, will see the video. I am going to share my screen so you can see the scripts, you can see the my notes. See if I can pull this up here. Here we go. You should be able to see this now. And I'm just going to read through my notes. Most of what I have to say is here in the notes. So here we go. Part three, cultivating an attitude of gratitude. And I've titled this lesson, Gratitude, the Cornerstone of an Unstoppable Faith. Gratitude, the Cornerstone of an Unstoppable Faith. There is a family or tribe, including when we're talking about gratitude or what that really means, the synonymous words, this tribe or family includes these words from the Bible, blessing, thankfulness, or thanksgiving, rejoicing, rejoice, praise, praising, honor, or reverence, and joy. Six words right there, and we'll find them in, the, in your King James Bible, and also honor. I think I, I don't know if the, I mentioned that. Also, all aspects for worship are, and adoration are made up of the definitions of these words. In other words, these words are all synonymous of what should be taking place when you're worshiping God. I've said from the very beginning, my intent in this study is to fill you so full of gratitude in this Advent season that that's all that consumes your heart and mind. The devil's language versus the heavenly language. We've talked about that. The devil's language is complaining, grumbling, finding fault, becoming bitter, and expressing that bitter bitterness. As James says, we cannot have a fountain from our mouth spewing out both blessing and cursing. We cannot do that as born-again men and women of God. God wants us to speak the language of heaven and have it so much in our hearts that it really flows out of us. That language, again, is blessing, thankfulness, rejoicing, praise, honor, and joy. That's the language of heaven. Those, that's what it's made up of, different facets, different. We've been digging into these words and showing you definitions. Uh, now we're on the last two words. We went over last time, blessing, thankfulness, rejoicing, and praise. We're going to finish up today with honor and joy. Honor and joy are the last two family members, as it were. And then we're going to... Uh, finish up with something that I think you'll really enjoy, and I'm going to share with you 
some thoughts from a, a book that really changed my life back in 2008, 2009. So let's get started. We'll start right away. The word that we want to go into, and it was kind of confusing when I looked at it at first, I had to ask one of my uh, English friends that is from Britain about this, and I, I, don't, I don't know why I didn't actually see this, but when we talk about honor, we cannot find the word H-O-N-O-R, the way we spell it here in America, in the Bible. The term that comes nearest to meaning that in the original language is glory, which means goodness. And we've talked a little bit about glory before. Honor, H-O-N-O-R, is not a King James Version term, but is used 130 times in the ESV, the New King James Version Bible, and 124 times in the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. <clears throat> the word most often translated in English as honor means glory. In the Hebrew Old Testament, uh, it was penned predominantly that way, okay, to mean glory, to bring that definition out. Let's look at some passages here. Malachi 2.2, if you do not give honor or glory to my name, uh, that, that's what he's talking about in that scripture, give honor or glory to my name, you know, um, you, it, it basically says you won't be blessed, you'll be cursed. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. You won't be honored unless you humble yourself first, in other words. Unless you, the word honor or glory there, they translate the Hebrew word kavod or kabod as honor. It means glory. It means God's goodness. It means a, a real heaviness of God, a real presence of God. And you have to be, come humbly before God uh, in humility to receive honor, to receive his presence, as it were. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. In other words, he's saying to become wise, you better be instructed that humility, that humbling yourself will come before honor. Remember the, um, the sons of thunder came to Jesus and they all wanted to be number one. You know, what do we do to be number one? And he said, well, you got to go back to the back of the line, boys. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. You got to go back to the back of the line. You got to become last, come in last before you could ever be honored first. It's the opposite of what the world will tell you. So that's the instruction in wisdom. Become last to become first. Humble yourself. Humility comes before honor, right? Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, I forgot to read the last part. A man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Okay, that's Proverbs 18, 12. I'm reading two scriptures. Let me read them again. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor, or kavod, or glory. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. In other words, before God cuts him off, cuts him down, before he falls, he, he's full of arrogance and pride. But humility comes before honor, saying the same thing as Proverbs 15.33 says. Bef but humility, before humility, you know, 
Humility comes before kavod, kavod, God's glory, God's honor. So I got this confused, and the British spelling, which we find in our King James Bible, which basically has a lot of the same meaning as I just talked about, is H-O-N-O-U-R. In the King James Bible, we find that word 146 times. That's the British spelling. First Chronicles 16.27, honor and majesty are before him. Now here the word honor, in the Hebrew, the word hadar means beauty or majesty, strength and gladness. Okay? So honor and majesty are before him, strength and gladness are in his place. Right? Beauty and majesty are before him. Strength and honor are in his place. Psalm 104.1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Honor and majesty. That is, thou art clothed with beauty, majesty. And actually, it brings the connotation in this word for honor here. Uh, Had is the root word of Hadar. There's a brilliancy. There's a brightness. There's a shining when we're talking about honor. You know, the knights wore shining armor. They stood out, right? When we think of um, medieval times, perhaps that's why. Let's go on. Hebrew, uh, we're going to look at another Hebrew word for honor. Psalm 71, 8, let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Here the word is tifereth, tifereth in Hebrew. Let my mouth be filled with tifereth, which means beauty and splendor and glory. It means a lot of the same thing as Hadar does. They're, they're, they're really similar words, beauty, splendor, and glory. It talks about the finery of uh, when they use that word a lot when they're talking about jewels and garments that the kings and the queens would wear. It, it speaks of rank and renown. It is an attribute of God because he's clothed, I mean, not literally, but I mean, metaphorically, he's clothed in beauty and brightness and glory, right? Honor. Uh, we could talk about honoring a nation or a people, glorifying or boasting of an individual, right? Tifereth, Tifereth. And then back to Psalm 66, 2, Kavad or Kavod. Uh, sing forth the honor or the Kavad, the glory of his name. Make his praises glorious. This word Kavod for honor here uh, is used 31 times in the Old Testament. Glory, honor, glorious, abundance, abundance, riches, splendor, dignity. Reputation, reverence, honorable are all meanings for kavod or glory. It means a weightiness, a heaviness. Like I said, that's, that's probably the main word for kavod or kavod, or some say kaved for glory, because it comes on us like a thick presence. And I've been in the presence of God and it feels so thick sometimes, so weighty sometimes. Let's look at the New Testament use of honor, or, or honor, H-O-N-O-U-R, or H-O-N-O-R. Let's look at that. Let's look at that. And I've got some other notes here. 
as well as what is on this page. So let's look. New Testament use of honor or or honor, either way, H-O-N-O-U-R or H-O-N-O-R. Revelation 19.7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor. Now here the word in Greek is doxa, and it's used six times in the New Testament, doxa. I believe that's, we talked about this word before. Uh, that's where we get our word doxology from, I believe. Let us gla- be glad and rejoice and give honor, doxa, to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. His wife has made herself ready. Okay, doxa. Doxa. Let's define that word a little bit if we can. It means an opinion or an estimation of always referring to something that's good or reputable, glory, honor, an appearance that commands respect, magnificence, excellence, a manifestation of glory, means worship and praise, giving glory to dignitaries. I think we used that word when we talked about praise last, last time we were together. So here, honor is, is also translated that way uh, as doxa or from doxa. Hebrews 2.7, thou madest him a little lower the, than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And teme is the way you say that. Teme or timao, timao or teme. Either way, tamae or tamao is the Greek word. And it's a value, something that's set, an estimation of value, uh, especially preciousness like fine jewels. This is uh, 49 times we find this, all right? Uh, Preciousness is implied. Value, something that, you know, you treasure. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with tamae or tamaa with preciousness, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Of course, we're talking about Jesus, are we not? Honor or value, to bestow honor and value. We're going to look into this word a little more. Tamao or tame, a price paid, an indulgence. You know, we indulge our children, our grandchildren, with something so expensive, you know, a, a, a new dress, a, a new bracelet, or a new um, necklace. Sometimes an indulgence, a reward given. Talked about in the New Testament that the elders that teach well were deserving of double honor, double, double you know, preciousness, double value, right? Something that would show that to them. Revelation 5.12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and tamao. Tameo, and that is glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, and tamao, you know, preciousness and glory and blessing, we could say. Matthew 5, 4 talks about tamao, or holding precious, a weightiness when we think of our father and mother. Do you Holds your mother and father today, or the memory of them, as someone that was precious 
to you or is precious to you? I hope so. Your father or mother, right? John 5.23 says that all men should tomao or tomeo the son, even as they tomao tomeo the father. He that tomao or tomeos not the son, tomaos not the father which hath sent him. I'm reading the, the Greek word. Let's read it this way, that all men should hold precious the son, even as they hold precious the father. He that holds precious not the son, holds precious not the father that has sent him. I love that word. When we're thinking about honor here, of this Greek word in these passages, I love to think of preciousness, something that I treasure. Am I treasuring the Heavenly Father? Am I treasuring God? How about you? Are you treasuring the Father? Are you treasuring God? Mm, that's something to think about. If we treasure the Father, if we treasure God in our life, then we'll want to please Him. We won't, we won't have to go and always be worried about fulfilling a set of rules and doing what's right, or we'll be smashed. When you love somebody so much, you know, whether it's your father, your mother in the earthly realm, or your spouse, you, you, do ne you never want to hurt them. I mean, you will, because we're human, we make mistakes, and it's the same way, the same picture, the same metaphor can be applied to the Heavenly Father, right? We do not want to hurt Him by our actions or by our inaction. So let's finish up with the last word. Blessing, thankfulness, rejoicing, praise, honor, or reverence, preciousness. And the last word, joy. Oh, this is a good word, joy. Now, I wrote down in my notes this morning that joy is usually the evidence of all the other traits. Let me go on here. Joy is usually the evidence of all the other traits. In other words, if you're blessing God, if you're giving thanks, if you're rejoicing, if you're praising Him, if you're reverencing Him, what's usually the result? You're full of joy. Rejoicing and joy are interesting words. You have to take action to rejoice. Actually, you have to take action to do all these things. Bless God, thank God, praise God, honor God. And then what ends up happening is you're filled with joy. I mean, I mean, joy is an action you can take too, but I look at joy as more of a response. All these words, all these six words are revolved around gratitude. If you find a joyless person, if you find, a, like we said, a complaining person, a person that uses the language of the devil, you will never find them joyful. You know, they might be joyful about doing something evil, but that's not real joy. That's not the God-given joy. I can tell you that. Acts 2.28, in thy presence, I, I was reading this this morning, is fullness of joy. When you're blessing God, when you're thanking God, when you're rejoicing and praising and honoring God, all these words, you're building an atmosphere that he comes into, his presence comes into, in thy presence. I'm filled with joy as I'm blessing, as I'm thanking, as I'm rejoicing, as I'm praising, as I'm honoring him. I begin to be filled with joy, regardless of the circumstance. Okay, that was a little extra there, extra credit as that were, an extra word today. Let's look at the Old Testament word joy used a hundred times. 
simcha, simcha, to have joy. In the Old Testament, they use the word mirth or gladness, to have gaiety, to have pleasure. The joy of God, to be glad as a result of something, to be happy. Remember, I told you the result? When you're doing these things, being full of gratitude, we could say, which all these words are facets of, the result will be joy and gladness, right? You made known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is simach, simcha, I should say. There is gaiety, pleasure, joy, right? At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Acts 28, 11, uh, Peter quoted that in his sermon when 3,000 people uh, were filled with the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. Amen? Isaiah 51, 12, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting simcha. They shall obtain gladness and simcha. They shall obtain gladness, joy, pleasure, an abandoned joy, right? Because they're returning to Zion. That's when they were coming back uh, and the temple had been rebuilt, I believe. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen? Let's go on. I have any other notes here? No, I think I covered all those. Isaiah 35.10, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. Here's another scripture that talks about that. With songs and everlasting simchah upon their heads. Everlasting joy. Everlasting gaiety. Everlasting pleasure. Everlasting mirth. Everlasting gladness shall be upon their heads. Well, here it says that. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Habakkuk 3.8, I will joy. Here's another word in Hebrew that's used for joy, that's translated in the English as joy, and it's the word gilgal. I will gilgal. That's a Hebrew word. Uh, that is leap in the God of my salvation. I will joy in the God of my salvation is how we translate it in our English Bible, but it actually means I will leap in the God of my salvation. The word there for joy is leap. So joy does include the action of leaping. You know, the uh, God is a demonstrative God. You know, the raising of the hand, the shouting and the singing and leaping. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord will leap over thee with singing, will Gilgal, will joy or leap, literally is what the word says. He's leaping, he's dancing over you and around you. Amen? Uh, let's read Nehemiah 8, 9, and 10. And Nehemiah was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. In other words, the law was being read. Hadn't been read for years. I think they had just found it. Uh, and they were opening it up and reading it before the people. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. In other words, it's set apart to God. Do not be grieved. In other words, they were celebrating. 
They were celebrating the walls were being built. The law was being read. God's institution serving him was being put back in place before all the people. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord. That is the simcha, the gladness of, of the Lord. The mirth of the Lord is your strength. And one translation says, for the joy of the Lord or the gladness of God is your protection and fortress. Yes, amen, amen. Let's go on. Let's go on. Okay, so we're going on here and we're finishing up joy. Now we're going to look at the New Testament definition or meanings of the word in the New Testament Greek language. So the New Testament word for joy is chara. Chario, Charis. Remember, we read in, in uh, Hebrews, I think it was the very first scripture there. Uh, we read about uh, what was that? Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Hebrews 12 28. Show gratitude. Remember, we said gratitude, the literal word was not in, the, in, in our Bibles, and uh, we couldn't find it but the concepts were, and that's why we're studying these words, because each of these words, these six um, words that we're looking at, you know, joy and reverence or honor, rejoicing, praise, thankfulness, and now joy is the last one, all made up uh, definitions for gratitude or show facets of gratitude. So we found you know, here's the word for for joy in the New Testament is mostly chara, chario, chara, 70 times it's used. And we talked about that uh, in Hebrews 12, 28, where, where ESV, Rotherham, New American Standard Bible translated that phrase, receive the kingdom of God, which cannot be shaken. Uh, since we've received that kingdom, let us show gratitude. Or let us show grace, I think is the way the King James says it, by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Be grateful, have gratitude. In other words, Hebrews 12, 28. And here in the New Testament, when you look at the word joy in many scriptures, the Greek word again is chara, chario, charis, means joy, delight, gladness. Also means, of course, like we said, grace. Or gratitude, right? That's that's what that word means. We've talked about that last, the very first week. Charis, it's pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, grace of speech, favor. It, it, it means that God has a divine influence on the heart. You know, when He's influencing your heart, one of the things you can't help but do is to be joyful, to have true joy. The fruit of the spirit, Galatians five twenty two, is joy. Uh, amen. But the kingdom of God, I wrote this extra scripture here, is righteousness, peace, and chara in the Holy Ghost, joy, gladness. I wrote down here also as a side note, <clears throat> our capacity for joy, that is gladness or delight or pleasure, increases as our sense of gratitude grows. Amen. As we as we are in the final lap of this three-part series on cultivating an attitude of gratitude, let me say that again. Our capacity for joy increases as our sense of gratitude grows. And the way you grow in gratitude, 
You have to start out and you have to practice these words. You have to practice rejoicing. You have to practice blessing God. You have to practice thanking him. And remember, find things to specifically thank him for. You have to practice honoring him. Get down on your knees, possibly, in humility and honor him. You have to practice um, reverencing him, honoring him. All these things, you have to practice rejoicing, right? And then as you do that, you're going to be filled with so much joy and your capacity for what your heart can carry in joy will increase. And, and you it's going to be so full, like an overflowing cup, it's going to flow out on others. For the fruit of the Spirit, of God's Spirit, is joy. The fruit of the Spirit, the presence of God comes upon you as you begin to practice gratitude, as you begin to put these six facets of gratitude into practice, right? You know, I told you before, praising, blessing God, honoring God, rejoicing in Him, you know, um, having joy, all those things. John 15, 9 to 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken to you, that your joy may be in you, that my joy, that is, may be in you, and that your joy may be full, may it be overflowing, right? These things have I spoken to you, <laughs> amen, that your joy may be full. That was Jesus speaking to the disciples and speaking to us. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's the key, to abide in his love. And that's another metaphor, another picture of abiding in his presence, right? Acts 8.8, 8, and there was great joy in the city. I want you to look that scripture up today and read in Acts. Why was there great joy? Why? Because Philip had brought great revival to the city of Samaria. Many were saved, right? Oh, and then, they, then Peter and John came down and shared... Uh, the Holy Spirit with them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's so many, you know, I'm going to give you these um, some scriptures here. I was reading through them for devotion this morning. Uh, these different words you can read. Rejoicing is found in Acts 5.41, Acts 8.39, Acts 15.31, 5.41, 8.39, Talk about rejoicing. Why was there rejoicing? Because they were sharing the gospel now that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and revival was breaking out all over, right? Um, and joy, again, joy and rejoicing are related. Joy took place because people were being saved, delivered from demons, filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.28 from Peter's sermon, you know, talking about uh, being filled, you know, when his presence comes, I'm filled with the fullness of joy. You know, God gave me a song once years ago in worship. I will be in your presence, O Lord, mm. for there is fullness of joy. Amen. I will be in your presence, Lord, for there is fullness of joy. And I will stay in your presence, Lord, for it's where you're calling me. 
Yes, these days we need to be in the presence of the Lord. Do we not? With all that's going on, in the, one of the scriptures there in Acts, I believe it's Acts four five forty one, they were brought in the disciples, Peter, James were brought in, and uh, and they and John were beaten for sharing the gospel, and they left there. That was a great crisis, but they were in joy because they were counted worthy to suffer for the gospel. You know, many things are going to come upon this world, and I think we're seeing that now with so many things that have happened in the last three to five years. But we need to learn how to be joyful and rejoice, even when things are going tough, right? When we're, If we are called to suffer like, like the apostles were there, right? So joy in Acts, Acts 2.28, Acts 8.8, Acts 13.52, Acts 15.3, Acts 20.24. Acts 228, 1352, 1523, and 2024. Peter said, or Paul said, he would finish the course with joy. He was he was wrapping up his ministry. Isn't that what we want to say? Praise is found in Acts 241. I mean, I'm sorry, 247. Acts 247. Then this one, Acts 3, 8, and 9. You should go read this. The man was in the temple laying on a mat. He had he had been uh, lame from birth, and he called out to Peter, Peter, come help me. And I'm just paraphrasing this, but Peter said, "What is it you want?" He says, "I want, I want to be healed." Or you know, "What is it you want?" You know, and and Peter basically said, "Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk." And he rose, leaping and dancing and praising God. Did he not? Because God healed him. Acts 3, 8 and 3, 9. Oh, beautiful scriptures, a beautiful little study you can do. Rejoicing, joy, uh, praise, leaping and praising God. Amen. Acts 3, 8 and 9. Let's go on. I'm kind of got off track there a little bit in Acts because I was reading through there. Let's uh, today, early this morning, 1 Peter 1, 6 to 8. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. If necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Remember, we just talked about uh, they were in great joy when they were brought before the magistrate, Peter and John, and were beaten for their faith. So we're going to have trials in this life. Verse 7 so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though tested by fire, though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. We've studied all those words now, have we not? Praise, glory, honor, you know, hallelujah, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice. There's that word rejoice and joy with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Remember that song? It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory and the half has never yet been told. So there's all those words in 1 Peter 1, 6 to 8. Oh, your faith will be tried and tested. And we're hoping, or not hoping, we're believing that results will be praise, glory, and honor 
because Jesus is revealed in us, right? And then we rejoice with joy. There's there's like five of those words there that we've studied. Okay, now I'm going to finish up with a special treat. I'm going to finish up with a special treat for you. And I've combined some um, some statements from this book. Uh, this book revolutionized my life in 28 or 20, 2009. Uh, 2008, 2009. I'm always reading books. I'm a voracious reader. I pick out about five books at the end of the year that were my book of the year. This was number one for me, The 4-8 Principle by Tommy Newberry. The 4-8 Principle by Tommy Newberry. You should get that book. It's a beautiful book based on, um, of course, Philippians 4-8. And maybe at the end here, we can read that before we're done here. I don't think I had it in my study, but but we'll read that when we're done. But let's start with, these are statements that I underlined, that I wrote out from his book that really impacted me. The gratitude statements. Gratitude is statements. Gratitude is a conviction, a practice, and a discipline. Oh, I could preach on that. Have you con- got a conviction to Show praise and gratitude to God. Are you practicing that? Are you disciplined and exercised in that daily? And let's look at some scriptures that go with the practice, discipline, and conviction of gratitude. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his name. Oh, that's David. He's convicted. He's he's practicing. He he's all tied up in showing gratitude to God, all that is within me, not just part of me, not just half-heartedly, but all. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Uh, Once a year at Christmas, once a year at, you know, Easter. No, always. And again, I say rejoice. We talked about rejoice, have we not? Here's Daniel. He practiced this, and I think it says the same thing of David, if we searched it out, that they were men of prayer. Daniel prayed three times a day, Daniel 6, 10 to 28, Daniel 6, 10 to 28. So those scriptures are Psalm 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his name. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Daniel 6, 10 to 28, you can read about David's practice of prayer three times a day. So the next one, this should, uh, gratitude is a conviction, a practice, and a discipline should have been number one. I have these numbered wrong. Number two is gratitude is an essential nutrient or food, a kind of spiritual amino acid for human growth or godly growth, we could say, creativity and joy. Let's read one of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 92, 12 to 13. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, why is that? Why are they flourishing and growing? Because they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. We grow. We grow in gratitude. We grow in that, uh, you know, in that kind of those kind of things that are planted in our heart by being in the house of God. Not necessarily a physical church, though it can be, but by being in fellowship with other believers that encourage us, right? 
is one way of looking at it. Second Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace. We're, we're expected to grow. We're expected to keep growing in God. Second Peter 3.18. Psalm 68.3, but the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. Hallelujah. They shall be jubilant with joy. They're, they're, pra- they're practicing it. We're, we're exulting in God. We're being jubilant. We're taking action. We're practicing it. Exodus 36.1, I put this in here as well, uh, because we're talking about creativity. Beelzeleo and Ohiliab and every craftsman whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know, this is Exodus 36.1, he put intelligence to know how to do the work in construction of the sanctuary. So they, they did all the fine um, inward workings and artistic work of the, ta- of, the, of the tabernacle, right, for Moses. God gave them that wisdom. God gave them that creativity in accordance with all the Lord had commanded. Okay, this is number three not number two. Gratitude involves channeling your energy or directing your energy, focusing your energy and attention toward all that is present and working rather than what is absent and ineffective. And oh, aren't we so guilty? Isn't it just human nature to focus on what isn't working, on the negative? I had one of those episodes at the start of yesterday, and I had a friend that kind of encouraged me out of it. <laughs> she doesn't know it, but she did. You know, because when, when sometimes when things don't work, I get so frustrated. But Psalm 105, 1 to 5. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of his wondrous works. In other words, tell of your testimonies. Glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord. That's you. Because you're a Christian today. You're seeking the Lord, are you not? Uh, Rejoice. Seek the Lord with his strength. If you're seeking him, rejoice, right? That's your right. Seek his presence continually. Remember, here's the the kicker for this one. You're channeling your energy and attention toward what is working. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. In other words, if he did it before, he'll do it again, whatever it is you need in your life. Remember the works he has done, his miracles and judgments. Let them be uttered. Ooh. Okay, Romans 5, 2. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice. Why are we rejoicing? This is what's working. We have access by faith to his grace to, in hope of the glory of God. That's why. Oh, that's beautiful. Number four, not three, but four. Gratitude is like a mental gear shift that takes you from turbulence to peacefulness, from stagnation to creativity. Remember what David said in Psalm 42? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? My help is in the name of the Lord. He shifted into another gear. He knew how to do that. He knew even though things were coming against him, would come against him. He went through great trials. We know that. But he knew how to call on God. And if you read through the Psalms, often you'll see him in the depths of despair. And before long, because he's made it a practice of rejoicing and praising God, his soul isn't cast down anymore. 
he's shifted into the gear of praise, of worship, and and he's starting to receive peace, right? And maybe answers to the things he needed to be able to um, execute his authority in his kingdom. Let's read this passage, Acts 16, 22 to 27. The crowd joined an attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them, when suddenly there was a violent earthquake, that the foundations of the prison were then shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. What do you think would have happened if, if they had said, Whoa, it's me, I've been thrown in jail, I'm in prison? And just complain, just use the world and the devil's language. Instead, they began to praise God and they were set free. That's a principle. I think we've talked about that before, that we are set free as we praise God. We, even if the circumstance hasn't changed, God begins to set us free. God begins to change our perspective. Our, our, we shift into another gear. And even though it might be a turbulent situation, God brings peace. Even though we might not know the answer, God begins to give us answers and, and give us things that we can use in the situation, answers to what the need might be. Number four, gratitude brings you back to the present moment, to all that is working well in your life currently. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Yes, if you're serving God, if you're a son or daughter of God today, he has a future and a hope for you. As long as you're drawing breath in your body, there's a future and a hope for you. Romans 8, 28, we all know this one. We know for those who love God, do you love God? I know you do. That's why you're here on this Ephesians coaching class or why you're here on uh, my podcast, The Kingdom Corner, because you love God or you're searching for him. <laughs> we know that those who love, for those who love God, all things work together for good, Romans 8, 28, for those who are called according to his purpose. Yes, if you've been saved, if you've been born again, if you've been spirit-filled, it's not to sit in a pew, it's not to do nothing, not to be a bump on a log but you've been called for a purpose. You've been called. He's fashioning you to do something for the kingdom. Number six, gratitude is the cornerstone. Remember, Jesus was the chief cornerstone. We're going to read about that, of an unstoppable attitude, and gratitude can be cultivated. Remember, we talked about cultivating an attitude of gratitude. That's what this whole series is about. It can be cultivated. And then, ex and then experienced at ever-deepening levels. Amen? That's something you can continually grow in, is gratitude, and be deepened by God in, right? Ephesians 2, 19-22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself, here's that word being the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. We can have gratitude because he's the cornerstone. Gratitude is the cornerstone, but Jesus Christ is really the epitome, the supreme example of gratitude, and he's our cornerstone, right? Because we're, we're Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure, that's you and I as a church, being joined together, we grow into a holy temple. Oh, you have to hear my teaching in Ephesians on this scripture, 2, 19 to 22, and chapter 4, verse 11 to 15, about the living, breathing, quickening temple of God. It's a revelation God gave me a couple years ago. Such a wonderful revelation, such a wonderful encouragement. You, you need to go to the podcast and find that and listen to it. Uh, we are built together for a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? We are temples of the Holy Ghost, and He dwells in us, right? Psalm 35, or I'm sorry, Psalm 36, 5 to 9. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord, how precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the sh- in your stead uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Mm, in your light do we see light. Again, gratitude is the cornerstone of an unstoppable attitude. And gratitude can be cultivated and ever deepened, right? If you read the scripture again today, Psalm 36, 5 to 9, about God's steadfast love and faithfulness, right? And that he wants you to drink from the river of his delight. Number seven, then, we're almost done. Gratitude is an effective entree. Antidote. Gratitude is an effective antidote to your most negative emotions. You cannot experience hostility and gratitude at the same time. (laughs) It's impossible. You're either going to be full of gratitude or you're going to succumb to that negative emotion or thought that you're dealing with. You must choose. I had to choose yesterday when I was upset. I didn't choose well at first. I had to back away from what I was doing and just stop. So I want you to go read this today, Job 2, 7 to 10. Job 2, 7 to 10. And I'm just going to paraphrase. Satan was allowed to take everything from Job, allowed to wipe out his whole family, take all his riches, burn down his house. He lost everything, you know. And his wife said, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Do you still hold fast to God? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive not the good from God and not the evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Wow. Wow. You know, he chose to focus on God. He didn't understand, I'm sure, what was going on. He was, Even at that time, he had boils all over his body. He'd lost everything. I'm sure he had some negative emotions. His wife chose to be hostile. 
he chose to trust God. And in the end, uh, God brought all that back to him, his riches, new family, everything. So you read that today, Job 2, 7 to 10. Number eight, gratitude is a skill and a feeling. The more you appreciate today, the more things you will notice tomorrow to be thankful for. It's deepening. It's growing, like we talked about. I will bless the Lord at all times. That's the key. Uh, that's the key to being, uh, to be thankful more and more and appreciate more and more. Blessing the Lord at all times. His praise, the heavenly language, the praising, the rejoicing, the reverencing God, the, the joyful uh, singing of praise. All the things we've talked about, those six words that we talked about, you know, what were they? They were rejoicing. They were praising. They were being joyful. They were honoring or reverencing God. They were being thankful. They were blessing God. There's the six words. Those things will continually be in my mouth. <laughs> That's how I'm going to be thankful more so even tomorrow. That's how I'm going to develop the skill and the feeling. Hmm. You may not start out feeling good at, at, at when you're doing that, but as you put your heart and mind into it, God will overtake you and bless you, and, and your emotions will follow suit. Do not be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, for that is the botchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. Here we are meeting with other brethren of the church, right? whether it's online, like I'm doing here, or in a physical church, or in the coffee shop, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody of praise to the Lord with our heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's how that's, how that's going to grow. That's how we're going to grow day by day. By meeting together, we submit to one another, you know? In other words, I submit to what you might share into me, and you submit to what I have to share to you, right? A psalm, a hymn, a word. Hallelujah. Finally, let's finish. We experience gratitude by harboring thoughts of appreciation, by abiding in, you could say, thoughts of appreciation for the abundance we see in our lives, for the good things we see. Ephesians 3, 17 to 21, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, that you may be filled with his presence, right? Now, verse 20, to him that is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ever ask or think, according to the power at work within us or towards us, to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen and amen. Ooh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. To, to walk in gratitude, to exercise gratitude. What we've been talking about these last three sessions is, is a work of faith, but that it will grow in you as you practice it. Psalm 92, 1 and 2. It is a good thing to give thanks 
unto the Lord, unto the Lord, and to sing praises, to sing praises to your name, Lord Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, in the morning, and your faithfulness every night. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, unto the Lord, and to sing praises, to sing praises to thy name, Lord Most High. Psalm 92, 1 and 2. All right, Psalm 92, 1 and 2. So let me ask you, will you make a commitment to be grateful today? Will you make a commitment to practice practice these, these disciplines of gratitude that we talked about? The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost, that you may abound in these principles that we've talked about. Let's let's list them again for you before we quit. And then I want to read another another scripture to you. I know I'm going on here, but this is important. I want to read these, or I'll just say them by memory. Rejoicing. Joy. Reverence. Praise. Blessing. Thankfulness. Honor. Will you make a commitment today to begin to exercise what we've talked about in defining those facets of gratitude? Will you begin to practice gratitude? Will you begin to make a commitment today with God's help, of course, not legalistically, with God's help to put aside what comes out of your mouth that's the language of this world or the language of the devil? You may need to give up a few things. You may need to stop watching a lot of TV. You may need to put aside some of the things that you read. I don't know. But the way you begin to develop gratitude is spend time in the Word like we've done today. And I know I'm going on, I'm preaching, but this is so on my heart. I need to practice it. I preach to myself as, to, as well as to you. So I want to I read the scripture to you. It should be in this book that from the 4-8 principle. We should end up there. What is the 4-8 principle? It is found. The 4-8 principle is found. In, of course, Philippians 4.8. Let me find it for you. It should be right in this, the opening of this book. And if it's not, I'll get my Bible out. Well, I have to get my Bible out. I, don't, I thought it was right in the beginning of this book. And I should know it. Let's turn to Philippians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts, was Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Chapter 4, and I've done coaching in Philippians as well as Ephesians. So we could say the epistle coaching, the epistle coaching that I'm doing. I'm going to stop sharing and go to the riverside again. I've been here an hour. I usually don't teach for an hour, but I have today. Hallelujah. I hope you'll listen. You can listen to it in two parts. Philippians 4, 8. This is, this is a great verse to end on. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. That's what we've been talking about the last three sessions, right? Whatsoever things are noble. In other words, honorable. Remember? Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. 
Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report are of God's language, not the devil's language. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, remember we talked about praise? Meditate or think on these things as a man thinketh, so he is, the Bible says in Proverbs. Meditate on these things. Mm. Let's read it again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think, dwell, abide in these things. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that we're just vessels of clay. We're just fragile vessels. Father, teach us. Teach us how to be exercised in gratitude. Teach us how to be exercised in praising you, in thanking you, in glorying in you, in honoring you, in being joyful and rejoicing in you, Lord. Teach us those things, Father. Go with each one today. Teach them to be grateful men and women of God. Teach them to see the cup as always full, not even just half full, but full and overflowing. Hallelujah, you are the God of abundance. You are the God of fullness. And I pray a fullness. I pray, pray an abundance. I pray a blessing of gratitude and joy upon each and everyone that listens to this lesson, to this series of cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Help them to cultivate that today, tomorrow, and in the future. Amen and amen. Amen.